Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingas serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones. It's time to experience this. Get ready for the big five zero. That's right. It's the 50th episode of the experience. This show. Join us as we discuss why so many big brands are disappearing. The best customer service email ever and the freedom of choice at the ATM. Bankruptcy, advocacy, and currency. Oh my. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. This week's CX Press comes to us from Mary Drummond, the CMO of Worthix, a customer survey platform and a podcast host herself. She has a great show called Voices of Customer Experience, which you should definitely check out. Mary wrote a post on LinkedIn that caught my attention called The Violence of the Experience Economy. Now, I have to say, Joey, we obviously read a lot of customer experience articles, but this was one of the best pieces I've read in a long time. That's high praise, Dan. You're right. We read a lot of articles. I'm excited about this one. Well, Mary starts with a list of all of the great companies that have recently filed for bankruptcy. Names that you're familiar with like Toys R Us and Brookstone, Nine West, Claire's, Kmart, Radio Shack, and most recently, Sears. It's a scary list. And as Mary points out, quote, nobody is safe in the customer experience economy. Now, I asked Mary to tell us a little bit about the impetus for her article, and you'll be able to tell right away that she's pretty passionate about customer experience. The motivation behind writing that article was, number one, to try to be kind of a manifesto of everything that we believe in here at Worthix. And the idea is to have people understand that the economy we're living in right now is by far the most violent economy in the history of capitalism. Another problem is the speed of change that we have nowadays in the customer experience economy. We have these examples of companies that have just risen out of the blue and taken over the market and others who have completely failed. But that's not the only place where change is fast. It's also fast in the changing expectations of our customers. So the truth is that expectations are caused by disruption in the market, but not only the disruption of your industry. Amazon comes out with Amazon Prime where they've got free uh, delivery in two days. That moment on, customers all over the place, even though they weren't buying from Amazon, they could be buying a sofa. They no longer tolerated 45-day shipping. Now they want two-day shipping because if Amazon could do it, you should be able to do it too. Netflix has this huge library of videos and shows and everything that you can use on demand anywhere you go. And nowadays, airlines like Delta are having to provide their customers with a full in-flight video experience because 
customers want to have what they have at Netflix when they're sitting in their planes going to their destinations. Even though you have these companies that are great examples of customer centricity and keeping up with the speed of change, they're far from being on safe ground. And if they don't pay attention to the future expectations of their customers, they can end up like their predecessors in a heartbeat. So the first company to recognize and address customers' future needs, they will be the next market leader. And this could happen at any time. I love it. You can definitely feel her passion, Dan. And so much of what she talks about is in alignment with things you and I talk about all the time, that your competition is not the other people in your industry. It's everyone who's creating a remarkable customer experience. And her article goes on to explain that pretty much every industry, airlines, banks, insurance, credit cards, hotels, retailers, are suffering from commoditization, low barriers to entry, and low switching costs for their consumers. The answer, she says, is that companies need to have a customer-centric mindset instead of a product-centric one. That's so true. And one more thing that Mary wrote that I really liked was that companies must, quote, create experiences that their customers believe are worth it, unquote. And worth it is a high and ever-changing bar. We've often said that the customer experience is the last true differentiator among brands. And I think personally that this article demonstrates that. I agree. I think one of the things I love about the way Mary writes is all too often, I think customer experience articles have a tendency to be about, oh, make the customer feel better. And these things are are valuable. But she really boils it down to what's going on with the customer. And that whole idea of the customer believing that it's worth it It's not enough to create an experience that's just like, oh, this is marginally better than our competitor's experience. No, it needs to be an experience that really almost captivates the customer or grabs them unexpectedly in the way they're moving through their day and gets their attention. Yeah, I also think it has to be an experience that takes advantage of the scenario that you're in. So let me explain what I mean by that. I mean, all of these are brick and mortar retailers that list earlier on, right? And the easy argument is they all got destroyed by Amazon. But I don't really think that's true. I think that Amazon obviously is an incredible company and Jeff Bezos is one of the most incredible visionaries of our time. But it doesn't mean that mom and pop shops or even big retailers can't survive in the same world as Amazon. They just have to play the game differently. So if you think about it, what does a brick and mortar store have that Amazon doesn't? It has a physical presence. So a Toys R Us or a Claire's or any one of those other companies should be leveraging that physical presence. It's like when you go to the grocery store, you go to Costco and they give away samples and you get to taste the samples. Amazon can't do that. But companies that have physical presences can create experiences that you can only have in person. And I think that once you get somebody in the door and you create an experience that they can't get somewhere else, they're much more likely to buy from you, even if you're a couple dollars more expensive than Amazon. I think you're onto something here, Dan. I don't think it's at all about the price. I don't think it's all about the, oh, Amazon killed the retail establishment. I think that's a convenient headline and it's a nice little soundbite that people like to throw around. But you know what really, and I say this with respect because I know people who've worked at some of those stores that have filed for bankruptcy, what really killed those businesses was the fact that when I walked into the store, the employees 
very clearly transmitted their irritation with my presence in the store, right? I mean, when I go on Amazon, I'm not expecting a human interaction. I click through, I find the product I want, I hit buy, it hits my cart, next thing I know it's on its way to me. And there's been no human interaction and I haven't expected anything unique and different. A lot of those stores and a lot of the stores that are really feeling the crunch in the retail world right now, you walk in and it's as if you've interrupted their day. You've interrupted their conversation with their coworker or their time on their phone or if they're even potentially on the phone talking to a friend as opposed to a customer. It's very clear what's going on. I was just in a retail establishment in London where I walked into a high-end men's suit store and very much was interested in seeing what they had to offer. And these guys, there were two guys behind the counter that were talking and it was like, And one of them comes out from behind the counter and he's like, "Uh, what are you looking for? And I was like, you know, I've already found it. Thank you. Yeah, I I found it at the store. store. (laughs) I'm I'm gone. I will will find it online as a result of this interaction. And I just think, I think she's spot on. I think you're spot on. Nobody is safe in the customer experience economy. And if you are not paying attention to this stuff, we can start a stopwatch on how much longer you're going to be in business. Absolutely. And this idea of customer-centric versus product-centric is important because it it's a question of whether you're looking inward towards yourself or outward towards your customers. And the last thing I want to touch on is Mary's use of the word violent in the headline. That's really what caught my attention in the first place. And I think it's really apropos. That list of companies that have fallen, they were all huge retail names at one point, and now they're just gone. It's a new world out there with sky-high customer expectations and tons of companies innovating on every piece of the experience. I mean, forget about two-day shipping from Amazon. I just ordered a new phone case from Amazon this week and got same-day shipping. The old way of doing things just isn't going to hack it anymore. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? So way back in episode 17, that's 33 episodes ago for those scoring at home. And that would only be you scoring at home, Dan, but that's okay. (laughs) Eh, Funny, funny. I think someone else is probably scoring too. We profiled a pet supplies company called Chewy.com, and we shared three listener stories of the amazing customer service that Chewy provides to both human customers and their furry friends. One of the stories was from Mariangel, and she followed up with me recently with another amazing experience that she had with the same company. So to set the stage here, Mariangel left a negative review on Chewy's site for a certain brand of kitty litter. Now, this wasn't a complaint about Chewy. It was about a specific product. She told me on Twitter, I recently switched litter for my cat, and the one I selected was awful. Even though it has great reviews, it just didn't work for us. I left a negative review, but not hating Chewy or the brand, but more stating that it didn't work for long-haired cats. Now, she said she wasn't expecting anything, but she just wanted to warn other long-haired cat owners. Shortly thereafter, she received an unexpected email from Chewy. Now, I'm going to break it into three parts because I want to make sure we discuss all of them. But here's how the email started. Hi, Marie Angel. Your review on the 
so-and-so wood clumping cat litter made me want to get in touch with you. I'm sorry to hear that the litter didn't quite work out. As pet parents, we always want to do right by our fuzzy families and get them everything they love, but sometimes swinging and missing happens. Anytime an item doesn't work out, please don't hesitate to let us know. We'll always make it right. In the meantime, I've processed a refund of $16.14 to the card used in the purchase, and that should reflect back in your bank account in three to five days. Feel free to donate whatever you have left of the box to a rescue or local shelter, or give that to a friend in need. Yes, yes, yes. This is exactly how businesses should be doing this. You know, it reminds me of a story that I told back in season one, and we'll have to ask Dan what episode it was because I have no recollection. But I was watching a movie on Amazon Video, and it was buffering, right? And it just wasn't, it kept getting bogged down. And we just, we, my wife and I really wanted to watch the movie, and so we just pushed through it. The next day, I got an email from Amazon telling me that they had noticed that my download speed was slow and they thought that it probably impacted my enjoyment of the movie, so they had refunded the price of the movie. Now, similar to Marianne Hell, I got an unexpected refund, and you can probably guess what happened. I now watch all of my movies on Amazon because they looked out for me and did something unexpected. This is great because it's friendly, it's empathetic, and she gives a refund with no questions asked. She, the, Including, Marianne Hill, she didn't, didn't even, even have to ask, it. can I have a refund? She didn't even ask. I mean, that was, I was just going to say, it was crazy. She didn't even have to ask for the refund, and she got it. And I even like that she suggested some options for what Marianne Hill could do with the leftover litter, which did not include shipping it back, thankfully. Yeah, that would have been difficult. Well, speaking of suggestions, check out the next part of the email. I wanted to help further by finding some other litters that may help you. I did some digging and even found that certain brand has a variety made specifically for long-haired cats. Here are my suggestions. And she goes on to list four different suggestions for cat litter that is appropriate for long-haired cats. And interestingly enough, and we'll put this in the show notes, they're all from different brands. And when I say we'll put this in the show notes, we won't list out the brands because, you know, we don't like to talk trash about other brands. But I love this. Not only does the agent issue the immediate refund, but proactively helps further by finding the alternative kitty litters that may work better for long-haired cats. Now, this wasn't necessary or expected, but it's a great example of customer service, of going above and beyond. So, Dan... Give them what the final part of the email says. Okay, so the agent finishes with, I hope this helps. Please give our love to Roma. Should you like to share any photos of them, we have a spot on our furry wall of fame here at the office, which would look perfect with them in it. Get it? Perfect. For now, if you have any questions or if there's anything we can do, don't hesitate to give us a meow at any time, day or night. We're always here for you. Now, what I love about that part is that, first of all, she references Mariangel's cat by name. She encourages her to stay engaged with the brand by offering her cat a spot on the company's furry wall of fame. And then she reminds her that she's always here for her. I mean, come on. Don't you think that Chewy just nailed this one? 
100% they sure did. Now, it took a little extra time because it's a lengthy email, but it hit all the key points. It was friendly. It was conversational. It was genuinely helpful, and it went above and beyond. Well, Mariangel sure thought so. She wrote to me on Twitter, quote, I just received this email from them and I'm ecstatic. I never asked for a refund. I was actually going to use the whole thing just because I don't want to throw anything out. So, Joey, where do you think Mariangel is going to make her next litter purchase, even though this last one didn't work out quite as expected? Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty-gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. Have we mentioned how happy it makes us when listeners share their own stories of remarkable customer experiences? Well, our fabulous listener, Marianne, recently shared a great example of improving a small part of the experience to make a big difference. Now, Marianne and I are connected on LinkedIn, and she was kind enough to tag me on a post about her recent visit to PNC Bank. I asked her to share her story with the Experience This Show audience. Let's hear what Marianne had to say. I'm a mom of three kids, and part of my weekly routine includes getting lunch money for school. As we know, ATMs typically like to distribute tens and twenties, which makes it difficult to divide out three ways. So initially, I would take money from the ATM, but then I'd need to stop somewhere to make a small purchase so I can get some singles, which, to be honest, was kind of a pain and something I never looked forward to. So a couple of years ago, PNC, which is who I bank with, did start allowing ATM withdrawals and multiples of a dollar, which was really a welcome change. And while it did ease up the process a little bit, I still had to make three separate transactions, but I was okay with it at the time. However, I went to the ATM the other day and started going through the process. And after choosing the amount for the withdrawal, I saw three game-changing words, choose your bills. PNC now allows customers to choose which denominations they'd like for their withdrawals. Now, this is such a small change, but I can't tell you how happy it made me. Probably happier than the folks at PNC intended. But really what it did for me as a consumer is it took one more step out of the process and it made my weekly trip a little bit quicker. I've been a customer of PNC for many years and it's little changes like that that will keep me a customer for many years to come. I really like this example because we've all been there. I mean, who decided that ATMs should only dispense $20 bills? Then when you go to break it, you feel like you have to buy a pack of gum or something not to be rude. So now you're spending more money just to get your own money back. I like how Mary Ann said that this was a little thing because we've talked about this a lot. Folks, it's the little things that matter to your customers. The little things matter a lot more than the big things. The little thoughtfulness of saying, hey, we're going to give you your money. How would you like it? Which, by the way, they often will ask you inside if you go into the bank and talk to a human being. But implementing this at the ATM level outside or at a remote location seems like something that banks should have figured out a long time ago. And I'm super excited that PNC got that figured out now. You know, it also reminds me of when you go to the casino and, you know, if you're lucky enough to win, they often pay you in $100 bills, which I understand some people probably like, but what the heck do you do with a $100 bill, right? 
So you like, look stylish walking through the casino yeah, with your great. Honey yeah, they, they look great until you realize you're gonna have to break it in order to use it. But I actually remember encountering an ATM in Philadelphia many years ago that even dispensed change. So you could actually withdraw $18.49 if you wanted. And I know this is going to shock you, but I wanted. So I did it. And of course was, you did. It was great for parking meters and other things. There was actually an arcade down the street. And so I used it for pinball. I know <laughs> another shocker. Now, that might be an example of going too far in that it might introduce too much operational complexity to solve a simpler problem. Well, I think it depends on the needs of the customer. So today, most parking meters will take credit cards. So people don't need change as much as they used to. But that doesn't mean that PNC couldn't keep iterating on this innovation. I mean, perhaps the ATM could associate Marianne's choices with her debit card. So the next time, she doesn't even have to select the bills. I love it when a technology does that, when it says, hey, do you want us to do the same little weird, unique thing you did last time? And it's like, hey, if I did that same weird, unique thing last time, do you think I want it this time? Probably. Yeah, I think when companies are able to be proactive about that, it just creates such a smoother experience. We had that example when I was at Discover. The website would know if you had redeemed your rewards for a Starbucks gift card in the past. The first thing it would say is, would you like to redeem for a Starbucks gift card again? And most of the time, the answer was yes, because once people made their choice and they, and we knew they liked Starbucks, they came back and they wanted to choose that one. And again, it's a little thing, but it does make a really big difference because if you don't do that, then the customer is forced to scroll through what was a very long list of gift cards every single time, probably you know, rolling their eyes saying, well, don't they know I'm going to pick Starbucks? I picked Starbucks the last time in the last 47 times. And so when you see companies do this, it just makes so much sense. But again, it doesn't happen very often. So I think it's still surprising to people. Well, it's crazy because lots of times when we walk into our favorite restaurant or coffee shop or bar or wherever, you know, whatever food or drink establishment you frequent, if you go there enough and the people know you, you can just say, I'll have the usual. And they know exactly what you want. Why not bring that same level of familiarity and convenience to the digital interactions we're having? Totally agree. So as Marianne said in her LinkedIn post, quote, look at processes from the customer's point of view and make little changes that can yield a big impact, unquote. We couldn't have said it better ourselves. We've talked. You've listened. Now it's time to act. There are many things you could do to take what you've learned in this episode and implement it. But at times that can feel overwhelming. Instead, why not just focus on three takeaways? Takeaway number one, are you participating in the customer experience economy? Are you consumer-centric or product-centric? Is your company at risk of being the next giant to fall? If you're not using customer experience as a key differentiator in your business, you are falling behind. Competing on price is a fool's game and anyone can copy your product. But your experience with your employees is unique. Own it and leverage it to the max. Takeaway number two, are you going above and beyond to be helpful to your customers? 
Are you noticing when they are dissatisfied, even if they aren't directly telling you? Have you empowered your customer service agents to issue refunds or discounts with no questions asked or before the customer even asks for them? The companies that are keeping their customers, even when something goes wrong, are doing these things. If you're not, it's probably time to start. Takeaway number three, what are the little things in your business that can be improved? Is there a customer-facing process that exists simply because we've always done it that way? What's your version of only dispensing $20 bills in an ATM? Try to find a place where you are currently limiting customers and instead give them the freedom to choose. You might be surprised to learn that they'll be more likely to choose you in the future. Those are three takeaways for this episode. And if we can ask you one more favor, we'd love it if you would share the Experience This Show on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or your favorite social media channel so that your friends and followers can find out about us too. And a heartfelt thank you from me and Joey for staying with us for 50 episodes. And here's to the next 50. Wow! Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This. Experience This.